so fun to have everybody in the house for just a little bit. Uh, today, what we're going to talk about, we're going to continue. We've been doing this uh, series on Scripture. And, and so, you know, we've tried to cover all these different aspects of, you know, what is Scripture? How do we interpret it? Why should we read it? These are all things, if you look at in our previous podcasts or videos, we've talked about. And last week, I started to talk about how do we read it. And I specifically talked about how do we read the Bible individually, as, as m- many of us, probably most of us, are most familiar with in our culture. And, and basically, if, if you missed it, you can look it up online. But the quick version is the goal of reading the Bible is to be near and like Jesus. So that to get more information, it's near the person to whom it refers. Okay. And so... But the way that has, has to happen, it has to be by the Holy Spirit, who is the presence of Jesus to us, and gives us the power to change. We can't change ourselves. Stop trying. Stop it. Stop it. It's just not going to work. Um, and so, uh, but we do have a role in participating with that change, in inviting the change in, in participating with what he does. And so we add practices, things that we do to say yes to the Lord. Dallas Willard says it great. Grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. We can't earn anything. we got nothing to give. Jesus has earned everything for us. But that means then we get to exert effort as he invites us into transformation. So we talked about... Two different practices. One's a big picture reading where we look at the big story and just take big swaths of scripture in over a long period of time. And the other one is meditative reading where we take little bits and we spend time. And we talked about memorization and praying the scripture. And then also like entering the story and imagine yourself inside the story. So today what we're going to talk about is reading how to read the Bible together. And we're doing it as a team here, um, in case you're wondering, these, these guys are the guys help, we're all elders that lead the church, we get paid to do it. We have a team of elders uh, besides ourselves that are also volunteer that we lead along with. But this is because we do this a lot, we read the Bible together a lot. And so, so, simply put, the goal of reading the Bible together is to be near and like Jesus. No, no new goals, no new goals here. And, and we have to have the Holy Spirit with us. To know that Jesus is with us in that relational intimacy as we read the Bible together. He's the only one who can transform us. But the practices, there's at least three different practices we're going to look at. One's called the sword method. Another one's called Lectio Divina. Another one's called praying scripture. And so we're just going to describe how we do all of these on a regular basis, in and out of different, different expressions of them all the time. So before we get to that, we're going to talk about why it's important to read Scripture together. And I'm just going to pray for us. Say, Holy Spirit, trusting that you want to equip us today. Uh, in Ephesians 4, 15, 16, 11, you said that the job here we're supposed to do is equip your saints for works of ministry. So that the body of Christ is built up and that we become mature. And start to look like Jesus. And now, then we wouldn't be thrown around by every new teaching or wind of doctrine or weird thing out there. But instead, speaking the truth in love, we'd be able to look at one another, get into Jesus, get into each other, become more like him, and the body will be built up in love. So we ask you to do that today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we talked about a few reasons. Why is it important to read scripture together? And this is a very, very kind of a funny question to ask if you look at the whole of church history. 
It's because the very thing, scripture reading's natural environment is actually in groups. Did you know that? It's way more normal to read the scripture historically over 2,000 years. It's way more normal to read the scripture in a group than it is to be doing it by yourself. And you can see it throughout the New Testament. You get the synagogue. How did did the early ancient Jews know the scriptures? They did not have Bibles at their house. There were scrolls that you go to the synagogue. And Jesus, in Luke 4, when he starts reading from the scroll, he's just doing what you do at the synagogue. Then we see Paul talking about saying, hey, Timothy, make sure you guys don't stop doing public reading of the scripture when you guys get together. Um, Paul's letters, you can read in those actual passages where his letters were read to the church. He was expecting it to be read to the church. And then the book of Revelation, did you know the point of it is to read it aloud? It's in the first three verses. It says, blessed is the one who hears the words of these this scripture, I, I heard about Francis Chan deciding we're just going to, for a worship service, read the entire book of Revelation. And it, it blew them up. They said the Holy Spirit was so powerfully with them. See, here's the deal, guys. There was no such thing as individual Bibles in your own languages until about 500 years ago. The, you guys heard about the printing press being invented, you know. Uh, and then Martin Luther translated the Bible out of, like, Latin in Hebrew, in Greek, into German at the time. There weren't just like normal translations that people could read. So for us to read Bible, the Bible individually and make sure you're doing your personal devotions is actually a pretty recent practice. It's actually a lot more native and normal to Scripture reading to do it in a group. Okay, so it's just, we're at a funny time in history where we kind of got to relearn something just because... We're just that we have new technology, the technology of the printing press, of translations, and now every Bible translation ever made is on your phone. It's just wild. So, anyway, not only is uh, scripture reading the natural, uh, together as the natural environment, there's other, way, other things that are really good. So, friends, talk. Tell me, why is it important to read scripture together? I think one thing that's important is we're, when we're reading scripture to study it, we're looking for the intent. What does it say? Not what we think it says or what you think it says, but what does it say? What did Paul say? What is Jesus saying to us? And that could be very hard to do on our own. Sometimes you may, have you looked at the Bible and been like, uh, I'm defeated. I can't do this, right? But together, we could hold ourselves accountable knowing we have to have the words of God. We need encouragement. We need the truth of what's real. All around us, people are trying to tell us their opinions of what's true, and it's a lie. It's a deception. Only one thing is true, and it's Jesus. And so we need each other to come around what's true, uphold each other in it. Um, Ecclesiastes 4, it says that two are better than one because they have a better return for their labor. But if one of them falls down, the other can help each other up. So part of it is you, if you're just reading alone, backfilling it with all the, the things you know, all the sermons you've been a part of, all the experiences you have, you could be backfilling that scripture with something that's not true or accurate. You could be filling it with something you watched on TV and, and it wouldn't make it true. But someone reading it with me, these guys reading it with me are like, oh, you, you don't have to be afraid. That's not what it's saying. This is what it's saying. Oh, help me understand. 
I could be defeated if it was all up to me to read the Bible, but together, we're going to do it every day, you know, and we're going to reap a benefit from it. The other cool thing is that we're made different on purpose, right? Some of us have a gift of mercy. Some of us have a gift of justice, right? Both those things are of the Lord. We have different gifts. Some of us are very study, you know? They, they, Guile knows these scriptures through and through. He's a teacher, right? Nathan, he, he's got to know them to their core and what this meant and where it was found. But I'm, I'm not going to do that, right? Because I have a different gift. But I need these gifts to be fully in it, and they need my gifts. So as we come together to the scriptures to say, oh, this is what Paul and Jesus said, what is the significance for us? How are we going to obey that together? What's that going to mean for the facets of our life if we're following Jesus? And the gifts of each other can help spur us on when we're weak or when we can't see that about Jesus. They can see it for us. Yeah, and just different life experience, right? I mean, just different people have been through different stages of life. You just notice things. Like, I remember when I was in, like, my teens, I could not understand why the Psalms kept on talking about life is so hard and unjust. <laughs> but that's because I was 15 years old. At 50, I'm like, these make a ton of sense, and I'm praying them like crazy, you know? Yeah. The other thing is we're, we're in a family with Jesus, we have a father, and we're his family members, and we have to rely on each other. We're relying on each other every day to follow him. We're disciples together, and we have to rely on each other that we're going to go towards what's true. We're going to read the scriptures together. We need that encouragement that we're in a relationship with God and with each other. Everything around us isn't like that. That's a new the culture around us isn't that. It's independence. But we're dependent on each other in a relationship. And that's hard to do, but we really got to do it. Yeah. All right, so the next one's accountability. What do you mean by that, John? That's me. Yeah, for me, one of the benefits of reading the Bible together is accountability. I, you know, I have a lot of friends in my life. My, my wife is this way where she, I don't think she's ever set a goal and not accomplished it. You know, she sets goals and she accomplishes them. But for me, sometimes I'm not as consistent with following through and the things that in a moment I'm excited about. So I've learned that one of the strategies for me, if I want to do something that's important to me, if, I, if, if it's important to me to be in a rhythms of prayer, if it's important for me to be in rhythms of exercise, if it's important for me to be in rhythms of scripture reading, I'm re- I've realized it's important for me to set a rhythm with other people um, so that I'll uh, be held accountable to do that thing. So if you are like me, I guess this is a vulnerable confession, and sometimes you will set an ambitious goal, but then uh, you'll feel differently the next day, or you'll feel differently five minutes later, <laughs> and, and you uh, will change your mind about it. I've learned that a strategy to hold me accountable to do not just read scripture, but all the things that are important in my life is to find a friend. Like an example of this would be... a. I determined at some point in my life um, sharing the gospel with people is important to me, and I know that I'm not going to do that unless there's someone in my life that will hold me accountable. So I called my friend Dane, and I said, Dane, I want to learn how to share the gospel with people. And so we set a meeting at a point in time every week where we were going to do that, and we did. And so, yeah, I want to encourage you guys to invite other people into your uh, 
your good intentions. That's really good. Um, the other one is we get to chat together with the Holy Spirit. What I mean by that is, I don't know about you guys, but I've found that if you will just bring up a scripture with a group of people and start to talk about it, the Holy Spirit shows up. It, it's amazing to me that they're, they're, you know, usually on the front end there's like a, you know, there's a little bit of pulling, pulling teeth usually to start. But I, I find that if you're with a, just a few people that start to engage, I'm telling you, an energy starts to happen. There's, there's a magic to it, which is the Holy Spirit. It's just kind of like, oh, they're talking about me. Let's, let's hang out here for a little bit. And all of a sudden there starts, and it gets hard to shut down then. Um, and so that's one of the things I think is so important that we do this together is because it, it brings life to us. Um, what are some of the barriers to reading the scripture together? We, reading scripture together, you know, for many of us is not uh, a normal practice. So I know one of the barriers is time. When am I going to find time to read scripture with other people? But then again, just like John said, we find time to do what we like to do. <laughs> and what I find is amazing is, like, we'll do this in elders' meetings. We'll always, we know that if we're going to meet as elders, we've got to connect with Jesus before we do anything else. We, we want to be, be a, a leadership team that has prayer meetings where business breaks out. Make sense? You know, prayer meetings where business breaks out. And so if we connect with Jesus, we find, oh, my goodness, that feels like we touched heaven and came back and only 25 minutes has passed. It's actually amazing what God will do with us just when we pay attention to him. So, it, so the barrier really isn't time. It's kind of just the commitment to it. And another one we talked about was priority. Was you? Yeah, yeah that's me. So I, I led small groups with young people uh, for years and years. And uh, I'm still having opportunities to lead small groups. But one of the things that I've realized, especially with students, and I'm, I'm laughing because some of these students are here smiling at me. But you just realize quickly how much people love to just share their highs and the lows. You know, people love to talk about how they're doing. They love to talk about funny experiences throughout the week. So the thing that's going to go first, you know, as you're gathering, even if you set the intention to be challenged and to allow the scripture to read you, I've just learned through lots of experience that the thing that's going to going to go first is your commitment to read scripture. And so I think one of the barriers to reading scripture together, it's not a bad thing, but we just love to be together. We love to fellowship. And there are, there are times for that. And that's a wonderful thing. But um, if we're not careful, um, we'll allow that priority to leave. And, and I've actually learned that as the leader, you know, if you've set a goal to read scripture together with other people, it actually sometimes requires a, a little bit of courage you know, to say, oh, we're, we're having so much fun. Wouldn't it be awesome just to watch a movie and eat some popcorn, <laughs> you know? And again, I think that's okay and, and good sometimes, but as the person that is um, showing up to hold this group of people accountable to really get into the Word, to be courageous and say, no, we have set our heart on allowing the Scripture to read us together and the Scripture to challenge us. And so even though it might feel in this moment like it'd be more fun to just continue talking about our most embarrassing moments this week, and our most fun experiences this week and the things we're feeling, we're going to open the word together and we're going to allow it to challenge us. Good. How about venue? Where, where do we meet? Yeah. Well, the, one of the barriers with studying scripture together is that we'll have to be together. <laughs> 
we'll ha- we, we won't be able to just do it within ourselves. We'll have to gather people together. We'll have to set a time, make a commitment, make a phone call. We'll have to do it together. And that can be a barrier, right? You are invigorated. You rally some people and no one, no one can come. Or what, you have to just keep putting yourself out there, like Jonna said, and that can be a barrier. But the benefit is home groups. The benefit is meeting in our homes, gathering together. We see that the, um, the early church met in the synagogue and they met in homes to really say, what is the Lord saying? To read the word and pray it, to say, we remember in our culture, everything around us is lies. Everything around us is lies. So we have to have a point of gathering together and saying, what is true? All day long, we're fighting, having to filter lies. But if we can come together, we can remember. Even if I can't remember, Jono can remember for me and say, no, remember what the scripture says? Let's read it. Guile can help me remember what we're doing, that we're following Jesus. We're not following the ways of this world. And so if we can come together, we can get a benefit in order to be our disciples. And it might be really hard to do it alone. One can be defeated. Even though it's hard to be together, one can most likely be defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Awesome. Individualism, Anna. We are in a different culture. We are in a different culture. It's saying we should know everything. <laughs> you are God. You're the authority. And it's, and it's not true. Uh, only Jesus is our authority, and we can't do everything on our own. We weren't designed that way. That's part of how God made us, is that we're reliant on each other. And so to lean on each other for the gifts and graces that other people have is going to be critical, because we weren't meant to do everything on our own. But all around us, it's saying, no, you should know this on your own. You should understand revelations on your own. That's just not, <laughs> just not the case, right? Uh, we can try and we can do that and we can study, but it's going to be easier for me to read revelations and what the Lord is saying if I'm with Guile and Jono. That's going to be easier for me. I'm going to get a more crisp and clear understanding of those passages and the particular way those are written. I'm going to know it better if I can lean on my brothers and sisters. Um, God is wanting to build a family, and part of his design is that we're going to have to have each other. We can't just say, I should know it on my own. So challenging. Um, yeah, another one I, I think that could be an, an, an obstacle to, bearing, to reading Scripture together is some, if you've been in churchianity for a while, you may have a, 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 an expectation of what the word Bible study sounds like. My wife, poor girl, was raised in church, and I think she thinks that means boring study. You know, she's like, oh, I don't have to do that. She's, she's, I love my wife because she, she is the least religious person I know. She's like religious allergic, you know, and it's good for me. Um, some of us think that, oh, means, well, one of us is going to have to get around and be the expert and tell everybody what to do, and we're just going to have to listen attentively and then leave. And that sounds horrible. When we, when we lose the point of being near and like Jesus, the life goes out of the room. Have you noticed this? Whenever Jesus himself is not the center, it's really hard to sustain any sense of life. 
Um, but there's this something to it uh, when you get around that. So that some of you are like reading Bible together. I already know this. I feel like I'm in Sunday school. Oh, man, if that's how you feel about it, you're doing it in a way that's probably pretty unhelpful. We want to be in relationship with one another, in relationship with Jesus, trying to find how to live, how to be near him and like him. And so some of these techniques we're going to talk about, we found have been helpful to us to avoid kind of like these teacher-centric, um, expert-heavy kind of do things to do stuff. Does that make sense? Because um, I happen to be good at that stuff, and I do not want to lead uh, groups that depend on me. It's not going to be healthy or interdependent. I can, I can contribute, but we're, we're contributing to one another. So, okay, so we'll talk about some of these. So the three practices, sword method, Lectio Divina, and praying scripture, sword method. What in the world is this, John Free? Yeah, some of the most powerful experiences I've had with uh, God's presence and reading the scripture with other people has been through the, the sword method, just dozens and dozens and dozens of, of times with uh, young people just approaching the scripture through the lens of three questions. And the first question is, what do we learn from this passage about what God is like? Um, what do we learn from this passage about people, about us? And is there something in this passage that we can obey? And I've just been astounded over and over again as you, you get with a, a handful of people and you, you, you look at a verse or you look at a story like it's a, like it's a diamond, you know, and, and, and everybody in the room is seeing a different, uh, within the author's intent, of course, but everybody is seeing, well, most of the time, <laughs> hopefully, is seeing uh, something beautiful about what God is like and they're sharing it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't notice that inflection in that word. Or I didn't notice that attribute of God's character and nature. But when you point it out with your personality, and your voice, oh, that impacts me so much. And then, oh, I didn't notice that about the way that people are like. Or I, or I didn't think to be able to apply that in this way. So I've been amazed um, with just the power of coming to the Scripture with a handful of people and those three questions. And one of the strengths of it is that you can do it with one verse, or you can do it with a whole chapter, or you can do it with a couple of chapters. So if you're looking for a method for practicing uh, the corporate reading of Scripture, the sword method, is a really effective one, I think. Go ahead. One, thing, one thing is cool about that first question is if our goal is to be near and like Jesus, the very first question is we're finding out what he's like, you know, and what we could be like, and we're asking him for help to be near and like him. So it's exactly what our whole mission and vision is for our church and for the people of God. And so I love this method of reading. Yeah, and if you're wondering why it's the sword method, you know, point up. So you remember the sword, point up to God, handle down to us. And is this a hilt? Somebody tell me. <laughs> I was just about to say, we know what you're into if you know what it's called. But, you, you know, it's like <laughs> the nerds among us caught my joke. Okay. If you know what I'm saying, you're not a nerd. So just be okay. I'm a nerd. All right, Lectio Divina, fancy, what were those three questions? It's, what does this passage say about God? That's number one. 
What does this passage say about us, humans, and is there anything to obey? Cool, thanks for asking. Lectio Divina, Latin for divine reading, and this is a really old practice, um, that it's just a way of slowly reading through one passage of Scripture and trying to see what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me right now. And then coming to that together as a group. And it's usually different for each person. So what you'll do is take one passage of Scripture, and you're going to read it multiple times and be slow about it and give a lot of space to it. This is one of those, Chris was talking about how hard it is to wait on the Lord. Um, this is one of those things, it's, it's such a good discipline for us. Silence is such a good discipline, just to be quiet for a little bit. So I found to start with this, it's good to have, just before you even start, just get quiet. Whatever yammering around in your head, say, Jesus, help me to focus on you. And then we do a first reading, and we just listen to notice for any word or phrase that just kind of strikes you. Have you ever noticed that when you're reading scripture, something stands out to you? Okay. Um, yeah, and, and that can be the Holy Spirit. Um, not always, but it can be. And so what we do is just after that, just notice it and sit with it. We just be quiet for a little bit. And then we're going to have a second reading. And we usually have a designated person to read it. Um, then you're going to ask, just think about how is my life affected by this word? How does this actually mess with me? Sit with it and be quiet. And you can discuss it now with the group or not. Sometimes we're quiet and wait out to the, the third time, but it just depends on the group. But also, you know, in this kind of thing, you don't have to share, all right? So, so there's some of us that <laughs> we only process verbally. Let me just add things. In together groups, be aware of yourself, please. Please. If you're a verbal processor, you are already talking more than everyone else just by being there. And there's, have you ever noticed those people that are really quiet? It's not because they don't want to say anything. I don't know, they're just quiet. I just kept on talking. I had to fill the space. No, you didn't. I've found some of the deepest insights are those you have to draw to others, give everybody a chance to talk. Um, so we, it's just good to discuss it. And, and, but it's also okay to not, if you're feeling, it's, it's still unformed. I don't know if I'm ready. Part of us also notice this is going to start to develop intimacy with the people you're with. When you just say, what's the Holy Spirit saying to me? Do I feel safe enough to say, I feel like the Lord is saying this, but I just don't know how to do it. Oh, man, all of a sudden, community starting to get formed. Third reading, what is God's invitation to be or do? It might not be to do something. It might, God wants to, you know, tell you something about your identity. Or it might be something, oh, I need to. Do this or that. And then you can share it with one another. And again, between each of these readings, we're just pausing and being quiet. And then, um, except for when we're discussing. And then the fourth reading, we just rest in whatever we were received. We just read it again and say, okay, I'm going to commit. Holy Spirit, will you help me to be or to do whatever you're asking me? Now, this sounds like, oh, that's no big deal. I'm telling you, crazy, powerful things have happened as we've done these things. Just staring at that diamond of the scripture and discussing some of it together. And God just loves hanging out with us and helping us in that context. So that's Lectio Divina. So the last one is when praying the scriptures. And tell us about that, Anna. 
Yeah, so both Lectio and this one really help in scripture memorization, too. Guile talked about that last week. You're saying something over and over again. It's easy to keep it inside you, you know? It's easy to remember it. So this is a practice that me, Jono, and Guile have been doing the last three weeks um, in emphasis. We do it every morning before we start work and in the afternoon. So in the morning, we're reading the Psalms. We just read one chapter, and then we begin to pray for 15 minutes. And uh, then in the afternoon, we're reading 1 John. And so what we do, we're going to practice it today with you guys, but we'll just read the passage and then just begin to pray out of it. And some of those can be like what we're, we're bringing to the scripture of like, oh, this is striking this chord with me. This is what I need today. And also just what are the scriptures saying? We know that Jesus did this. He, he prayed the scriptures, you know? And so this is a really good practice. There's a lot of barriers removed in this for us doing this six times a week, um, when we first were like, we're going to do this, we're like, every day at 4.15, we're doing this, you know, every day at 8.45 a.m. But how we've been able to do it really simply is one of us is the origin caller. We'll call, John will call me and then say, hold on, and he'll add in guile, and we'll have a three-way call, age-old practice, right? And we will pray, one of us will read it, we'll begin to pray, after 15 minutes, we'll hang up the call and continue our day. So that's how easy we've been able to make it, but it could be a whole home group. Could we, what, could we just show you how we do it with this passage? So um, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, you guys, says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Yeah, so Lord, I I just confess to you, I felt kind of lonely this morning. And I forgot that you'll never forsake me. You're my helper. So you forgive me for that. And I just say, help, help me. Fill us with confidence. You will never leave us. Fill us with confidence. You are our helper. Fill us with confidence. We can be content with what we have. Please help us, Lord. Father, I just want to agree that you are my helper. And if it was just up to me and my own strength, it would be so scary. I remember that your power is perfect in my weakness. And I say with confidence, you're my helper. I've seen you be my helper all my life. You've been faithful to me. And so I say again today with confidence, bless you, Lord. You are my helper. You are my helper. Thank you, Lord. Isn't that awesome? It's getting inside of us. We're taking the scriptures and they're becoming a part of who we are as we're praying and agreeing. We don't even have something glamorous to say. I'm literally just saying the words that are there. I'm looking at it while we're on the phone, just reading it and praying exactly what it says. I remember hearing a guy say that he, had no, he didn't know how, what to pray, and he finally had this moment where he's like, you know what, I wonder if you're as bored as I am. You know, this isn't going well for either of us. He felt like the Lord was like, well, just open up the scriptures and why don't you pray that? And so we don't have to jimmy up, you know, what to pray for each time. And I found when I have to come up with it without realizing, I usually pray for the same things all the time. 
and I'm usually at the center of them because <laughs> I'm the most interested. I'm, my, I'm the most interesting thing I know. <laughs> so, so it's, it helps me to get out, focus on Jesus and other things, and it's just so life-giving. So what is the role of Bible teachers in reading the Bible together? So we, we were kind of focusing on not having Bible teachers, and even, was it First John 2 says, you don't need a teacher, you've got the anointing of the Holy Spirit who will teach you. So you guys have some thoughts on that when we read together. Yeah, the Lord has given some a specific gift and grace for teaching. And, um, you know, occasionally, uh, regularly, I'll come across something in the scripture that I just, I can't, I can't understand. I can't get to the author's intent. Paul, I'm not sure what you what you meant here. And so I'll call Guile or I'll call my friend Seth who have a gift and a grace for teaching and they'll be able to say, well, you know, I've read about a thousand books about this um, (laughs) written by people for the last 2,000 years of church history and um, this is what I think this means. It's like, oh my gosh, that's so simple. I'm so grateful that God has gifted you, Guile and Seth, as a teacher because I don't have the whole package when it comes to to being able to arrive at the author's tent all the time. So we need the different gifts in the body. Yeah, you remember when Peter says to the people reading his letter, us, he says, hey, some of the things Paul writes are hard to understand. (laughs) Remember that? It it gives us courage that we can say to one another, I don't get this. You you study the scriptures day and night. This is your hobby, man. Would you help me understand Um, But one of the other roles of a teacher is to equip, right? The whole point. Jesus says, hey, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you call me your your God, but you don't do what I say, you know? And sometimes it's because we don't know how. We have a willingness, but we don't know how. We haven't practiced that. And so part of the role of teacher is to equip us and to empower us to do it. So I hope you feel that empowerment and equipping today that you, you can read the scriptures together. Good. So here's a summary, reading the Bible together. Goal is always to be near and like Jesus. It requires the Holy Spirit, who is the presence of Jesus and the power to change. But the practices we're talking about, the sword method today, Lectio Divina, and praying scripture. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Where do we go from there now? Anna, help us here. Well, part of it, we saw the list of barriers. One of the barriers is each other, right? We know we're going to be backfilling the scriptures. People that we know are going to go off on tangents when we're trying to talk about abiding with Jesus. They're going to be talking about the Greek word for building a home, you know? And we're just like, ah! <laughs> So part of the barrier is loving each other, you know, and saying, we're, we're still going to do this. We're still going to read together. Which one of these three methods do you think you could proceed with, with the least amount of barriers that you could just begin? You could do it. Let's just think for a moment. The sword method, Lectio, or praying the scriptures together. Which one could you do with the least amount of barriers? You got it? The issue with this one is you'll have to do it with other people. You can't just put it in your schedule right now. So who could you, with the least amount of barriers, who could you do this with? Who could you practice reading the scriptures together with? 
Let's just ask the Holy Spirit. Maybe someone might come to mind that you're not even thinking about. When could you do it? We review and revise. For us, we're trying it at 8.45 a.m. and 4.15 p.m. We're just giving it a shot for four weeks. When could you give it a shot? When, When could you do it with those people you have in mind, with the easiest one you could engage in right away? When could you do it? And then... Because the mission of our church is to be disciples who make disciples, many of you in this room staring at me now can say, like, I've been doing this for 40 years straight. I do this all the time. And I, whether you have done that for 40 years or you're just going to start, who could you share this with? Who could you say, can I teach you three ways to read the scriptures together? Could I tell you the importance of it? And maybe could I practice it with you? Is there someone in your life that you could share this very message with? Let's ask the Holy Spirit who it could be. We're wanting to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When could you share it with them? Is there an easy way you already meet with them? You could share it then. Do you need to text them right now and say, hey, when we get together on Friday, could I show you something? Could I practice with you a practice I learned at church? I haven't done it yet, but I'm willing to test it out with you. How many of you think a plan is beginning to form in your life of how you could hear this message and put it into practice? Is a plan forming? No hands are going up. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment. Lord, can you give us any more plans to form this into a part of our lives? Who could we engage with, Lord? When could we do it? You know our constraints. Joe, why don't you close this out here? Yeah, I'm going to stand because it helps me to be more brave. Uh, but I, I woke in the, in the middle of the night just with something impressed on my heart, and it could have been that my son was crying because he cried a lot last night, uh, but I think it was the Holy Spirit. And, and I just feel just this, I don't know, a, a pastoral responsibility to, to warn us and to caution us that um, in this world, um, there is a significant temptation to allow the primary authority in our lives, uh, the primary thing that directs us to be our intuition or our intelligence or popular opinion. And I, and I, and I just feel just the fear of the Lord um, as I'm up at, I think, two in the morning, that, that if, if our intuition if the way that we feel about what is right or what is true is ultimately what directs us, then our feelings are our God. And, and if our 
our own intelligence or, or understanding is what ultimately directs us, then our understanding is our God. And I was thinking about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that, that, that says, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, we've got to acknowledge God um, and allow him to, to direct us and guide us. I was thinking about Isaiah 55, 9. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You guys, it, it is so critically important that we recognize, like, like Jesus did as he was being tempted by the devil, that, that he lives, by, and we live, by every word, every word that's spoken out of the mouth of God, and that his ways are higher than our ways. And if we're looking at, at, at something and how we're going to move forward and, and, and we don't agree with something that God's word says, it's not God's word that is going to change. We have got to change. And so I just felt to exhort us, uh, I felt a responsibility uh, to exhort us passionately that, that, that um, this is really significant, that, that some of us, um, and you guys can clean this up if I, this gets too heavy, but, but some of us in this room could be in danger of a very serious peril. And it's because right now, in this moment in your life, your own intuition, the way that you feel about the way that things should be in the universe is what is ultimately directing you, and your feelings are your God. Or your own understanding of, no, it doesn't make sense, God, that you would say that this is supposed to be this way or this is not supposed to be this way, so I'm going to make it the way that I want to be. Right? Or to align with popular opinion in our culture. Guys, this is a serious danger. And, and we, have, we have got to commit. <laughs> what, what makes us followers of Jesus is that we submit our lives completely to the words of God. And so we have got to take this authoritative, I'm closing a page, Anna, authoritative book, and we've got to commit to say, I am coming under the authority of these words. And where I am out of alignment with this book, I'm not going to change this book, but I am going to change. It, so. That's great, yeah. So, so let, let's stand. Let's stand. And we'll, we'll pray. So, King Jesus, the reason why we submit to your words, the reason why we come under your authority and your leadership in an absolute way as your followers is because you've won our hearts. Because there is a moment and a point in time where we tasted your love or, or, or we came to a realization and we, and, we, and we recognized and we bowed our knees and we said, you're God and we're not. That, that that your love is unlike anything I've ever experienced. And so, Lord Jesus, we, we recommit again. We recommit again, Lord, to say that your words, every word spoken out of your mouth, Jesus, every word spoken out of your mouth, God, is, is our very life. And at the, at the end of it all, we know, Lord, that we, we know that reality doesn't change. The truth doesn't change. So at the end of it all, we want to be found faithful in the camp, in alignment with truth. 
in, in alignment with your words. So Jesus, would you shepherd us? You are the good shepherd. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. So Lord, as we commit together to align more fully and completely to your authoritative words, would you come to us with your rod and with your staff for our protection? We say, Lord Jesus, would you have mercy on us, Lord? And, and uh, where in this moment right now where some of us are aligning according to our own intuition or aligning according to our own intelligence, even though your ways are higher than ours, more so than the heavens are and the earth, Lord, or where we've, we've aligned primarily with popular opinion or with culture, Lord, would you bring challenge today? Would you bring conviction today for our rescue? In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go.